and welcome to the latest episode of the Lock In Podcast. Amazingly, this is episode 20 and we haven't been pulled off the air yet. For this week, we're going to be doing a bit of blue sky gazing, looking towards the future shape of the hospitality industry. And with me as ever to gaze into the crystal ball are my co-hosts, Heath Ball and James Cuthbertson. James, you're more used to navel-gazing than blue-sky-gazing, and given your dietary habits in lockdown, that's a particularly deep and dark place to be gazing down. Heath, on the other hand, has always been ahead of the curve, always one step ahead of the pack. Oh, sorry, that was police, always one step ahead of the police. 20 episodes, no raising quality. I mean, I'm trying my best. Working with material yeah, with you two guys, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy. It's not yeah. easy coming up with these kind of things. Anyway, I digress. So as I said, we're looking at how the hospitality industry is going to look going forward, how it's been shaped by the crisis we're only just starting to emerge from. To help us do that, we've got some great guests joining us later on. Prask Sutton from technology providers Wi-Fi will be joining us to talk about how technology is and will continue to impact on the sector. And we've got top operators Stozy Maddy of the Parker's Arms and Clement Ogban Ayer of the Prince of Peckham who will be talking about their experiences and how it will shape their businesses going forward. But before all that, let's catch up on the week we've just had. Uh, we just had the Publican Awards and some great success stories in that. James, you helped judge that as well. So how, how did you find that? Um, yeah, it's really um, really weird to have a kind of virtual awards. But I thought it went really well, actually. Um, didn't have to get a cab home, which, which is good. Nice. And uh, didn't have to go through the same process of... Um, Explain to the person at the dressage shop that I just maybe need a size bigger this year than I did last year. What? So, yeah, it was all right. I'm sorry, a dressage shop. Are you That's, getting it from, um, is this where you go for horse stuff? I mean, I know no, you're big. Size, size was Mark F, one size bigger than a Mark E. <laughs> so, um, yeah, happy days. Uh, it was good, Ed. I thought you were particularly poor, but well, I, I thought, the, you, um, yeah. I thought yeah. the event and the technology was excellent. I, was, um, I wasn't fishing for a compliment there, no, but you uh, I didn't one. get one, did I? So, but, uh, um, I thought the event ran really well, and I thought the post-award-winning uh, interviews went well. Mm-hmm. Um, did make me think, you know, a lot of great operators still doing their thing this year. So, no, it's good. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come on to that in a second. I mean, we've also had the top 50 gastropubs. Heath, your name did Ed, Ed, I'd just like to stop you for a second. Go on. Um, I'd like to direct people to my GoFundMe page. I've set up for you, Ed, to buy you a pair of shoes to wear with the suit. <laughs> you need to start wearing shoes with suit. Mm-hmm. You're not 16 years old. You're not from Bill and I was channeling my inner Michael J. Fox, all right? Oh, my goodness. Wow. Okay. Where are we okay. going to go there? Great. Well, let's, let's move on from yeah. that. So, yeah, top, top 50, Heath. You were named in the top 50 gastropubs. Number, uh, where was it? I'm going down the list. I'm going 53, was it? No, 35. Sorry, the numbers are wrong way around. But uh, congratulations. Uh, I hope you're pleased. Aesthetic. It's always been it's an honour to be in the list. I'm always very happy, Ed. Yeah. Good, good. You should be. You should be. I mean, I think one of the things, I suppose, we, we, we picked up a bit of flack online from, from some trolls complaining about, um, you know... Uh, being more than 50? Being more than 50, yeah, no. Okay. About um, how we, we could organise awards during such a crisis. But, I mean, I, I, one thing I would say is that if you look at the Publican Awards, you know, people say it was insensitive to do awards. How is it insensitive to recognise a young woman starting out a career who locked herself in a kitchen for two months simply so she could make thousands of meals for homeless people? I mean, is that insensitive? Depends if she yeah, locked like, herself yeah, in. No. Locked in. <laughs> if she was locked in, that's insensitive. Well, that is true. I, I don't think was... they locked her in. Okay. I think she... 
put herself in the kitchen. Okay, okay, fine. I just want to be clear about that because it would make a difference to how I felt about it. Ed, I think the awards were good. I mean, the thing is, you can, you can argue that not a lot went on, and if you look at the chat around those those guys, everyone's had a hard year. Um, but Michelin had the same issue, didn't they? When they're giving out stars, stars for what? But you know, I think what was noticeable was. Um, probably you won't want to focus on it but there are a lot of pe- new people in there a lot of people that were out of the list mm-hmm. which either mm-hmm. suggests they're not operating anymore or I think, you know, I mean, have a hiatus you, you recognise I mean you recognise those, those, those changes and things like that but I think that the, the key for me was it was recognising and, and the ward should still recognise you know the good work that has gone you know these businesses are um, uh, surviving against mm. all the odds you know and they're still doing great things you know they're still supporting their tenants they're still supporting their communities all that kind of thing for me you know what what isn't there that well, should no, be celebrated it's a bit like when you see things like you see like the world cup of the olympics you say not played because of the war you know there, there needs to be a bit of i don't think the whole covid thing's not been about keep calm and carry on it's been about changing but yeah no one can argue against there being a bit of positivity jeez don't we need it yeah no true true um so also talking about positivity living wage goes up today Happy about that? Imagine if we imagine imagine James if we paid ourselves a living wage. Be rich. Oh my god, we'd be rich. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm. Amazing. We'd actually have money in our pocket right now. Yeah, it's mental. Yeah, it's poor timing, isn't it? I mean, it's it's, it's not poor great. Timing. It's it's not great. I mean, it's a difficult one. We've talked about this before. <clears> I mean, you you don't want to rail against. Um, I mean, it's not a living wage; it's a minimum wage. Mm. You don't want to rail against that because it helps to sort of reinforce that. You know, we don't pay well, mm. and it's a sort of slave labour kind of. It's not great, but all that kind of stuff. You don't want that um, that image. But really, right now, it, it's yeah, not it's a really bit like you can't be seen to be. You know having a conversation around things like Black Lives Matter or the way... There's lots of things that we're all super sensitive about right now. And I think, yeah, just timing-wise, it's hard enough for business. Because effectively, it's a tax. It's another tax. It's another imposed mm-hmm. cost on your business, which if people keep telling me how much the employees are, unless they are, you know, cost of living is. So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Timing's, like your joke said, pretty yeah, poor. Yeah, but also they don't... What's always killed me for ages is they don't, they don't take into account tips and service yeah. charge yeah. do you know what I mean so you can go and work somewhere you know like at the Red Lion they, the, the service charge is ridiculous the guys make so much money in service charge mm. that it doesn't take that into account so if I paid my guys minimum wage they're still probably making double that in, they're probably making that money again in tips per hour so they're on like 16, 17 quid an hour mm. you know what I mean and then you have to put the minimum up and you're like oh my god and then you have can to you put not your just steal more up, of so their tips then yeah but you put their prices up no, I don't skip you put their prices up and then to compensate for the, the, the living wage going up well that happens as the service charge goes up because you put the prices up so all that happens is they start getting more money it's like yeah and you know and we've got high staff retention at the Red Line and Sun but there's got to be a point where you're just like man geez, hold on how much are you making an hour mm. you know I mean I know loads of operators who staff earn like silly and compared to what they draw out of the business mm. and you've got all the stress mm. um the other thing we've seen this week, uh, vaccines is, is dominating the headlines. According to the Times, GP surgeries, hospitals and supermarkets will be exempt from a vaccine passport requirements. And off you go, Heath. Well, no, I'd be quite smart. I've invested into a company um, that's just started up recently. Um, the guy apparently is really good friends with Matt Hancock and Boris Johnson. So I've invested a small sum of money. He's going to charge them, I don't know, 10 grand an hour, he's going to 
set it all up. He's going to write it on an Excel spreadsheet that's based. It's going to be amazing. So I've invested in that, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to make all the money I've lost during the last year back in the first couple of weeks. So, yeah, I'm well up for it. I think vaccine passport is a brilliant idea. I've invested into the small scheme. I'm going to be laughing. Yeah, not just the boys. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what he's trying to suggest there. I mean, the, the scary thing for me is the passport initiative is being uh, led by Michael Gove, or certainly scoped out by oh Michael my Gove, God. which tells you everything you need to know. But then again, he's probably the most experienced member of the cabinet when it comes to dealing with the supply of drugs. So, <laughs> not bad. Yeah, the, it, you know what? We know what's going to. So, there's so many questions, right? So, what about your staff that aren't vaccinated? I see in Israel that's a problem because the staff mm-hmm. aren't vaccinated. What about people who aren't who want the vaccine but can't get it yet? You know, and then they've got to prove like a positive, a negative test, or they have to prove antibodies. Like seriously, and you want people to get back? No one's getting back to pubs in a hurry. I want, but it's just. And I, how long is this going to take? Limber me? What are we looking? September? It's it's a joke. The whole thing, honestly, the government, and you know, finally. Kenneth Starr goes, whatever his name, Starr, Stein, whatever. I've had enough of the Labour Party. Anyway, he comes what, forward and says it's not a great idea. Well, I just can't be... Bo- they're, all, they're all the bloody same. He always does agree chef, with them. Do you know what I mean? Kenneth Starr. But, <laughs> isn't it... We need a decent opposition in this country. We don't have it. It should be easy, so it should be easy, though, shouldn't it? It's just a daily. It's a, it should be a daily run of penalty kicks to win arguments. But, um, yeah. yeah, they don't seem to be able to do it. It's not. No. Man, I, I, joke, I joke that I'd move to North Korea because I'd have more rights. We'll end up that way soon. We're just going to be... We, we've ended up with these um, national identity cards, which is going to be hidden in the fact that it's a bloody vaccine passport. There are uh-huh. and traces everywhere. We're just going to be... But except the supermarket. So if you want to do a drug deal or um, sell confidential information to somebody, just go to the supermarket or get with it. Go to the supermarket. Don't go to a pub. Don't go look at those Russian spies killing those people out in Salisbury. You just go to the pub, you go to the supermarket and kill them now. I think the um, the good bit of news is going to come is though that including in injections were actually your um, vaccine passport that's now injected and running around your body. Really? Yeah, it happens. Yeah, microchips and everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, really? So I, you're I, fine. I'm it's not, done. I, I, yeah. I'll have to take my so tinfoil, tinfoil hat off for that, mm-hmm. though, won't I? Already so, done. I mean, the, the worrying thing for me is if you can't go to the pub without a, a vaccine passport, I mean, unlike you two old bastards. I haven't had the vaccine yet. I haven't had the vaccine so, yet. Oh, it's just Heath, is it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Good news, Heath. You can go to your own pub. My wife, my, listen, my wife hasn't had the vaccine yet. Brilliant. I'm, like, <laughs> I'm just popping down the road. She can't come in and get me. She can't walk into the pub and drag me out. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, Heath, I'm gonna be hiding, Heath, by the I'm way. I'm going to be hiding in the bar. Heath, by the way. Yes, it's she can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you think that's going to stop what? her? Yes, she can. <laughs> Don't you uh, think there's no? Do you think that's that's going to save you? I'd like to see him try that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, well, yeah man, honestly. I yeah. think I think on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll park this one here. listening to the lock in podcast with heath ball james cuthbertson and myself ed beddington so we are looking at the sector the future gazing towards uh, how we think things are going to shape up particularly uh, how the crisis has um is going to impact moving forward um i mean what do we think what what uh, what are going to be the big um structural changes to cool. our sector I think people might think more about how they structure their businesses to leave them um, less exposed. Mm. Or you just thrown into one company, they might start to look to, 
you know, because uh, there'll be a lot of businesses that have gone down because of a couple of bad pubs or one bad pub rather than, you know, a state of bad pubs or a toxic lease that's screwed them. Um, so I think that structure... I think partitioning. Yeah, and I think that um, that's a really good... That's a good phrase. Oh, I wish I'd like thought that. of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and I think you'll see um, just the rise of the savvy, financial savvy person coming through that gets how to manage debt, gets how to phoenix your business, gets how to, you know, lose toxic debt, etc. How's Heath going to survive with that? Are we talking savvy? No, I've no idea. No idea. I was going to rob a bank, but you can't even get cash out of the bank anymore, so that's that, I'm bugging. <laughs> paper clips. Get paper clips from there. Um, no, I, so I think that I think that's savage. And the, there's, a, there's a lot of good people and good operators that have lost their sites in the last year, but there's a lot of people ready, like vultures, to come in and nick them. Um, and you could say that's, yeah, but you know, I'm not saying that's, a, James, that's the real world, you know. I think the big problem we've always that you see when you look at you go to New York, for example, and you look at the average restaurant in New York makes XM EBITDA. Yeah. And in the UK, we're not we're much better off. We're worse off because we well, we trim our margins all the time to be competitive. And we just keep on shrinking our margins. So you, mm. you're suddenly you're at a 15% EBITDA, you're at a 10% EBITDA, you're at a 5% EBITDA, and you're just trying to say, stay in the game. And I think now's the time to you actually say to the customers, you know what, the, the cost of going out is this. This is the reality. For too long, you've had it too cheap. This is how much yeah. it's going to cost to go out. And we know you want to go out. We're not taking the piss, but we need to make a living. We need to have money at the end of this. We can't, you know, we've taken a beating. It's time to rework out how much we actually make out of the businesses. I think it's time to change. I mean, you you touched on sort of some sort of significant people going now. We've seen, uh, we saw Seafood Pub at the start of this. Yeah. Now it's it's been uh, resurrected from the ashes. It's now part of Oakman. Uh, the Oakman Group, which is great to see. Um, I mean, do you think you're going to see more sort of uh, phoenixes uh, rising, or, uh, or or not? I think we'll see a lot more fires, a lot more forest fires. I see where a lot more people go. I think we'll get through summer. They'll crash. They'll have, they'll run out of energy, and then I think we'll have a lot of young people sort of just chuck in money and just go into the industry. People, our industry is built with people who love what they do. So. James? Yeah, I totally agree. It's going to be those with the energy to keep going and to. There'll always be people that can crack this trade. So it's going to come down to energy, I think, as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it, are, we, are we going to see sort of real sort of um, uh, change of the old guard? Um, I mean, we're going to be talking to, to some guys later about this, but, um, you know, do you think we've sort of cleared out some of the gentlemen? It's an opportunity for, for new, younger entrepreneurs oh, to come in. Edward's harsh, Ed. It's normally my role to be harsh. I sort of borrowed from you on that one. Well, no, I, I know I said that a few a few times ago. But I think I know. I think there'll be some. I think we've highlighted some businesses that weren't feasible, and were getting along with using poor debt. You know, under bad um, or toxic, uh, you know, lease agreements. Mm. So I, I think on that point, it will flush I, I, them. I suppose out. I'm looking at. I mean, when I when I say that, I'm I'm I'm, I'm looking at the casual dining side. I'm looking at some of the again, as you say, those toxic um, those toxic leases we've seen. Mm. We'll see huge swathes of the high street, and actually, it's not just hospitality, is it? You know, retail generally. There's going to be a great deal of opportunity on high streets, um, which could mm. play into the hands of hospitality. Are we going to see mm. these young, interesting new entrepreneurs? coming in thinking actually you know what there's an opportunity here. or do you think this crisis has just made people go oh, you know what it's a bit fucking tough in that sector no, I think people want to, want to get together I want to get together more I think people have actually started to 
um, really organise their social in walks for you see the middle class people you know walking around clutching a coffee you know and their wistful look the long hair that's oh, not very cut yeah, yeah no, not the long hair bit yeah, no. but I think people have organised that you know every Tuesday they do that and meet that person on Wednesday so I think that there is because like the youngsters today and I sound like an old git but the youngsters today you talk about not drinking and all the rest of it they do they just don't talk about it when they're asked a question they just completely underestimate what they consume and what they James, do James are you, are you James I just want to be clear here yeah. are you saying the working class can't drink coffee and walk because that's what it sounds um, like you're saying to me I, I, no I'm not saying that I, it I'm, sounded I'm, similar I'm, to I'm, me actually it's, uh... no I'm yeah, just man, saying honestly, you I'm, just I'm, see I'm, it I'm, you just see it but you, it annoys me when I see them out walking what the working class no the middle class oh, but you, you, you're annoyed with people out walking you're like look at them trying to get mm. cheap how dare mm. they sit no, in your car eat your donut yeah, have your coffee I was going to say you're the one selling the coffees and the donuts yeah but it still annoy me <laughs> so I didn't realise I could not separate the two things. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he's always read about his customers, so I don't so, see why yeah, you should... So, so, no, but I'm just saying, I think that there is space for that social interaction. It's just going to look different than perhaps before. Yeah. And it'll, you know... Oh, yes, but it, the future's going to be interesting. Yeah. Mm. I mean, are we going to see sort of uh, a strengthening of... I mean, the strengthening of the big guys, the big players in the market that, uh, I mean, they've, they've probably been hit pretty hard by this yeah, as I well. Think my, my thinking of what well, Heath and I talked about this, we were thinking that, you know, now, you know, coming out of lockdown is the time when it's going to hit the fan and things are going to change, but probably not. It's a few months yet. Heath was saying, you know, the repayment start, the, you know, the, the loans start needing to be paid back and then we talked about the VAT deferral. You know, I think the net, and when people haven't got the energy to, to refile their business because they're just, just broken. Yeah. Like, I get that, and I think you're bang on right. I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's more in the autumn we're going to see we're going to see more change. But are we going to see a consolidation of the bigger operators with with the deeper pockets yeah, sweeping up? Talk about big, do you talk about big in terms of numbers or in terms of financial depth? Because there are people like the Hawksmoor, for example. You look, they're a small operator mm. with a big name and massive debt. Mm. I know mm. we're talking restaurant man more than pub, but nevertheless, it's they're scary numbers mm. that they've, they've published there. Um, I think what will also be interesting is people that are chase, you know, this whole meal box, meal in box stuff, you know, invest a lot of time and effort in that. And you're actually seeing people launch them now, which is quite surreal as we're trying to reopen. Them. <laughs> but, um, you know, you've had a year, guys. Um, but I, th- I think that um, whether that lasts and people may be distracted by that. I mean, that's that interesting. I mean, you, you, you touch on that and that's, that's a valid point because these guys, we are seeing a sudden glut of operators suddenly starting to do takeaway uh, meal in boxes and all the rest of it is it as you've just alluded to and being rude about them that they're just very late to the party or are they seeing something that they're not no they need money they need Mm. they've worked out this is this has dragged on longer than they thought they need cash and it's too late they're too late to the party people have had enough Mm. we see it now with the tail off of takeaways that we do in our businesses people people can see a, a date in mind and they know on the 12th of April they're going they're and that's stuck, it yeah. and, who, yeah. and people are tired of cooking at home they don't want to do it anymore yeah. they want to go out and they want to enjoy themselves I think if, you, if you're putting a, a takeaway pack together now man you're, you're too late well, like, so you, man you're business you see, so, you see some of the packs and some of the complications you need a scoffier to come around and cook it for you you know it's not a case of just being able to you knock this stuff up oh, and, yeah, and then you see some that have started and then stopped within two weeks they realise it's hard work yeah, yeah, we've been grinding yeah, our nuts for a year uh, doing that stuff you know I mean Heath you said your, your uh, takeaway um, takeaway orders are telling off is that just because they're shit uh, no I think last week I think what happened last week was um, everybody knows Easter's this week 
Yeah. And yes. they, I just think they just took, they took a break. And I think yeah. the weather was good. And I think they took a break. And I think Easter bookings are like solid. But I think once we get through till next week, um, we're going to close for a few days. We're going to do the weekend next weekend here at the Red Lion. And then the following week at the Lockhart, you know, I say the week before we open, um, we're all going to shut the Lockhart. We're just going to get the sites ready. But we'll still carry on doing takeaways and deliveries. And, yeah. you know, because we're not running at full capacity. Mm. You know, so I think, um, you know, I think the food's probably shit. No one likes us. That's why they support us so much. Ed, thanks for your support, man. We really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, real. yeah, you said it was tailing off, mate. I was just asking why. That was all. Yeah, but it's, it's all those off. weird You're extras doing... you keep dropping we, in there, we, like hairs. We were things. doing, yeah, but we were on a Sunday, we were probably doing about three, four hundred roast dinners takeaway, right? All day Sunday. Like, it's hectic. Mm. Last week we did 250. So it's not what you normally add, you know what I mean? Yeah. You can feel you can feel the change. Yeah. So yeah, hundred you know, percent. I mean, are you are you sort of are you anticipating when we get back? Is is are we going to see a boom? Um, I mean, we've there's been this kind of nineteen twenties boom people talk about. Um, we saw following the sort of uh, uh, the, the flu pandemic. Are we expecting that kind of um, response? Yeah, I, I think we'll go straight into the. Well, I think we'll go straight into the 1920s, Roaring Twenties. Then we'll hit some sort of like the UK government's gone fascist anyway. Then we'll end up at war with someone. We'll be at war with France because they won't let us come in. They well, won't give us vaccines. Me, yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm interested vaccine, to see. Uh, I'm interested to see you in a flapper dress, of course, but. Um... Is that a kinky thing? Mate. I don't know. I don't know. I've already got my outfit worked out. But I think we are. I think, honestly, <laughs> on the 12th of April, people are going to be so happy to be out. And I think we just, people are going to be, you know, we're already anticipating silly spins per table because I think they're just going to go out and they're mm. going to look at the wine list or look at the beer list and look whatever. And they're just going to go, I want that one. And I want it now. I don't want to hear how much. Just bring it to me and give me a good time. I want to go home drunk. I want to go full asleep on the floor. I would have a good time, and I think that's what we're going to end up with. And can I order, so can I order on the website, please? <laughs> and can I order on the website, please? Yeah. Can you but much, of, much of the government's just made because they don't want people in this country to have a good time. They want us to drink coffee, read books, and sit at home. It'd be boring. And that's the problem we've got. I mean, that's... that's uh... We've done the whole podcast, but again, upset the fact they're talking about... Um, Supermarkets and the rest not having to have passport or passports and, and us having them, so we haven't really gone on that. Oh, it's ridiculous. We haven't talked about that enough, really, have we? No. Uh, yeah, I think uh, on that note, it's uh, probably. But, uh, but, oh, now he's going but, again. Uh, Seriously, just for a second, James, <laughs> I'd just like to say um, our franchise agreement with um, Sainsbury's has been agreed. Great. We'll sell all the pubs and we'll open Sainsbury's. We're done. I've always said the government were brilliant. Always said it. Moving on. No business rates either. Oh, God, he's still going. <laughs> right, moving on. <laughs> You're listening to the Lock In Podcast, and we are looking forward towards the future and how the crisis is like to shape the sector moving ahead. We've got Prask Sutton, CEO of Y5, with us here. Hi, Prask. Good afternoon. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad, not bad. I mean, let's start off. Just give us a bit of background. Who, who are you? Uh, what is Wi-Fi? 
Absolutely. So Y5 is a mobile order and pay platform. So we've been around for a good number of years now. Uh, obviously, come to sort of prominence during during the, the pandemic. I think as a, a lot of hospitality operators have sort of flocked to, to mobile order and pay and seen, seen the benefit of that. Um, but we've been around, as I say, for a good number of years. Uh, we're, we're really a payments company, but we sort of sit in that intersection between the, the customer and, and the operator. And we're really there just to facilitate that most seamless uh, order and payment experience uh, as, as possible. Absolutely, yeah, that, that uh, holy grail of frictionless payment, which uh, we've been talking about for quite a while. I mean, looking at technology, we've seen massive uptake in the growth of apps for ordering, particularly across the entire pub trade, with many forward-thinking operators embracing the opportunity to move forward with that technology. Um, James Heath, maybe you can kick us off. What apps have you got? Um, None. <laughs> <laughs> payment, payment, no, no, pay, no payment apps. Brilliant, okay. Uh, I mean, any technology well, look, yeah, whatsoever. That's, that's I, mean, why, that's I, I know you're using an Etch-a-Sketch. You thought it was a, a, an iPad, but it was your daughter's Etch-a-Sketch. We, we, we take all the orders and stone it, <laughs> carbon and stone, which we don't forget. Ed, Ed, this is every day's a school day, and we're here to find out more you about are, what we should be absolutely. doing. So we'll be asking the stupid questions rather than you on this one. Well, that's fair enough, yeah. Thanks my, for that. My, my, big, my big issue always has been with it, and I'm, I'm speaking from my point of view, is is that these, these third-party apps and all that, they come along and they say, we'll take control of it all for you. You don't have to worry about it. We've got it all. But we're going to manage me your payments. And so what you end up with them is they're managing your credit card processing. So they turn around and your, your rates suddenly go from like, the rates you've agreed with the credit card company. They've got higher. Um, you're waiting longer for your payments. So I've always swerved it. I thought, you know what? I'd rather do it myself. We do right now for our takeaway and delivery service. We take it all over the phone. We do manual transactions because I know that I know my rates, I know what I'm going to pay, and I've got my staff answering the phone, I know the order's going to be right, and there, there it is. Now, I probably sound like my father talking about when the first motor, uh, automobile came into town and where I'm from, and he probably went, it's never going to work. It was only about 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, so, tell me I'm wrong. Tell me I'm, I've got it all wrong. It, it totally depends. So, for, for, uh, for us, with Wi-Fi, um, the car transaction fees are actually lower than if you went with a, a payment-only provider. But you're, but you're very right. With a, a, lot, a lot of people out there, you are going to end up be just paying over the odds because they'll just add you know, layer on layer of costs, which is why I think one of the things that we always said came into this, we wanted to have a really symbiotic relationship with the operator. We all need to sit on the same side of the table uh, we, uh, as opposed to that, those sort of more parasitic relationships that, you know, I'm not going to sort of know names, but certain businesses have. Oh, please and, do. No, don't, don't. Really, what was that? I oh, said, so please do, but no, don't actually. On second thoughts, so. they're probably sponsoring something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, the whole idea is just to, to make this has to be sustainable for everyone. Yeah. There's no point fleecing somebody to make a quick buck and then they go out of business, you know, then, and, and that you, you bite the hand that feeds you. So for us, we. You, it was absolutely of paramount importance that we were fully aligned with the you know with, with the sort of the goals of the operator. So with us, there's no setup fees, there's no sort of monthly subscription fees. We're now down to we just want to process those card transactions. But because of the volume that, that we go through, we can offer better rates than if you went, especially as an SME, directly to uh, one of the, the popular payment providers. I mean, Heath, you're, you're, you, you, you've been talking about taking orders over the phone. That's, that's, that's all well and good. You're, you're closed, you're, you're doing takeaways, deliveries, all that kind of thing. When you open up, um, I mean, is it not going to be something you look at in terms of you've got two gardens, um, reasonably big site. I mean, the Lockhart's not quite such a big site. 
Um, so yeah. I suppose it, it, it's mm. less less of an impact. But with those two guns, would you not look at an ordering system? Yeah, like I, I sort of looked at one with our current provider for our till system and stuff, and it just becomes silly. Like you said, like there's something it's like, yeah, so only that, but then there's that that you get the invoice through with the, the performer, and you're like, and how did we end up at that? You told me it was seven hundred quid, and it's two grand, and mm. and I'm just, it's not, you know. So, yeah, I have been looking around and seeing what would work, but at the same, I want my staff doing it. I don't want, honestly, my counters, uh, the checks would go through to the kitchen and it'd be, it'd just be mind-blowing what they'd order. Um, we, we, so, yeah, I still, but yeah, it's something I've looked at, but I haven't really looked at it in depth, so this is why... That's, a good, that's, actually, a chat, good, that's like, actually a good point here, because I suppose you've got more control, haven't you, with, with staff, they can, oh, they yeah, can, they want, can push people I in certain directions. I want my staff doing it, yeah. I mean, is that... Staff, my, my customers will write notes like, no olive oil. I've had customers who've ordered fish and chips. No batter, grilled, no chips. You know what I mean? Like, you just suddenly be like, what? So, I, and I wouldn't, you know, I'd rather have my staff do it, but it needs to be on a platform. That so, they I guess, Prask, from your, from, is there a way of controlling that and, and sort of con- cutting out that kind of a problem? I mean, you can just not take notes. I think the big thing you've got to keep an eye on with things like that, things like allergens and stuff like that, right? especially yeah. Ashes stuff like that, communes. Um, later this year you, you've got to be mindful um, and to, to a degree you don't get people to work to hang themselves right but at the same time there has to be some degree of flexibility in communication so if people you know, want to sort of raise like a valid point that's one thing but I think it's much impossible to stop people just being you know buffoons and sort of you know, saying they want shots about <laughs> particularly your the problem we've got the problem we've got with allergens is people use if somebody doesn't like something they say they have an allergy to something and that, that's become the big problem in our industry lately is because you'll go to serve them and they go I apologize to that and you're like you call bullshit in your head you're like man you're joking there's no way you're allergic to that like and you go and google it and it's like one in ten billion people have an allergy um, but yeah it's it's that so you've got to accommodate those people with their their crazy dislikes of food so that's the hard part but there's no doubt that this this type of technology is going to become more and more popular isn't it I mean given what we've known in the last year it's coming because we I mean we, we held that you know the, um, the Herald the, the Weatherspoons app Heath no it's a lot of fun having that sort of ordering and having mates order for you and things like that no he's a big fan yeah it's it's fun it's fun when you're you're at the airport at five in the morning and you tell your mate you're at the airport at five in the morning and he's got the app and he sends over shit cocktails to your table (laughs) that's quite fun it's not it's not it's not where I want to be in hospitality do you know what I mean? I, it's, I mean, we, we, we've seen that massive acceleration. In fact, I was, I was chatting to um, Mel Marius at, at Darwin and Wallace earlier today, and, and she was saying that when they, they launched her app, um, she was you know, she was a little bit sort of, you know, see how it goes. But they got 80% of their orders going through it, um, which was way out of her expectations. So there's that embracement from, from yeah. consumers that we wouldn't have had prior to this crisis. But, but, but I guess the, the same with everything that's different. What, what, makes, you guys, what makes you guys different? In terms of working with you, oh, as as a supplier, yeah, I think the big thing is just being aligned with operators again, and not having you know, or you can get your bill and it's like two grand, ten hundred pound because you decided you want to open up on Tuesday or something you know, random like that. But I think it's you, you've got to look at what you're replacing here. So if it's you know, with a lot of our SME operators, um, it's about throughput. So they know what their kitchen can produce or what their bar can produce, and they want to get as close to that as possible. Um, to, you know, so they're making as much money as possible. Um, but at the same time, if there's a, you know, there, there are other operators that we work with, and for them, a lot of the theatre that front of house staff bring to it, they don't want to lose that. So mm-hmm. there'll be specific 
things that they use it for. So I think you really, you know, operators know their business better than we do, and they know exactly where a system like this slots in or if it slots in at all. But you have to, you, you, you can't expect it to do something that it's not designed to do. And again, you know, it replaces certain processes and, and brings certain efficiencies. But if you want to run the sort of business where you do want to have, you know, you want to be sort of, you know, touching customers' elbows every time you mm. go over and, and have a bit of balance with them, then this isn't the thing for you. You know, this is going to sort of take away mm. whatever you know, that aspect of your business that you think is special. But talk, talk me through it, like, really, really, really simple, because there'll be a lot of operators, like, with most technology yeah, things. I can do the simple questions. Um, you... Talk me through how basically you integrate with that business from day one, because that's where the fear comes in. It's great to think, oh, we'll get an app, but what does that actually look like? In, you know, I'm running a site now. What does that look like for me working with you from, from now? Yeah, just, just to be clear, so we're, we're app-free. So it's something that we push from the beginning because there's no point trying to convince a, a, you know, a customer to go and download an app. You're not yeah. going to have an app for every restaurant or bar that you visit. So they, the idea there is that it's as frictionless as possible for that customer. Okay. So they come in and there isn't any faff, you know, whatever device they've got out of, their, you know, out of the box is going to work with it. But from a, an operator's perspective, so you, you, if you make that decision to, to sign up or you want to have a conversation with somebody or get some look at some materials, then that's something we can easily do. But once the operator makes that decision, then we have a very sort of SaaS, like you know, software as a service, uh, like onboarding process, so they can take it, take it at their own pace, do it all themselves. Uh, once they sign up, uh, they can build their own menus. We, if they if they've got a POS, you know, and we're integrated with that POS, and we have a lot of POS, direct POS integrations, we can pull the menu from that POS, and then they can sort of you know amend it if they want to, and you know do whatever they need to do, and then set POS life. And there's a lot of customization that they can do themselves. But we put a huge amount of our time and effort into making sure that all of those back-end tools are there, those back-office tools are there for operators so they can be in control of the situation. We do have a you know, support function, so if anyone needs a bit of hand-holding or there's an issue or they're a bit confused about something or if they just want a bit of advice, they can pick up the phone or send an email or you know, in touch with our support desk. But the main, the main sort, of, uh, sort of bulk of it is, or if not all of it, if you want to do it as an operator yourself, is, is there for you to do. It's really intuitive. You don't. It doesn't come with a map because it just doesn't need it. It's like you know a lot of tech these days, like getting a new iPhone. It's pretty much you know obvious how you set it up and how it works, and that's how we built Wi-Fi. And I mean, in terms of uh, looking more generically at, at, at these kind of systems and things like that, I mean, what about extra functionality? Because we're, we're sort of we're we're looking at you know these these apps have been very much sort of pushed along the lines of problem we've got is we've got table service we've got operators that are that are struggling the rest of it this is a solution it can do this it's all about ordering and payment and and that kind of thing are are you starting to sort of see people looking for additional functionality at all prask um i don't know what what that would be but uh, not just ordering what else can we do with these kind of systems uh is it connecting customers to other customers uh, having engagement outside of um uh, the, the the actually visiting the premises as well. I mean, what 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 are you seeing, or what are you, is there anything that you guys are exploring on that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's always big sort of asks and big wants from from you know operators and customers. And those are often misaligned as well because I think sometimes what operators think customers want isn't necessarily uh, quite accurate. And it's really important that we get out of the building and go and speak to all of these stakeholders and make sure that this is all sort of you know 
actual, you know, we make sure that, that uh, this is all sort of valid, mm. um, all, all of these asks. But just to, to go back one step, the fact that you can order, as a, as a customer, you can walk in and you can order and pay for something. And then as an operator, that that order is accurately injected into your system and that that payment is actually collected. And to your point earlier, that you can actually get that in a decent time period, whether that's, you know, if you opt to have that instantly or, you know, day plus one or whatever it might be. And that all works seamlessly. That is a huge thing. And I think it's very easy for people, especially sort of with the pandemic and a lot of people have seen the opportunity here and swooped in and tried to sort of, you know, jerry-rig something together off a bit of old e-commerce software. <laughs> and it won't be that bit. So it's very easy to sort of, you know, suck people in and say, you know, all these bells and whistles and, oh, it can do this and it will wipe your nose for all that stuff. But if it's not actually doing that, that core bit perfectly, where, where you, you're not losing orders, you're not upsetting your customers, it's not having any sort of negative impact on your business. That has to be the core focus. Yeah. And I think there's too much, there's too much sort of focus in sort of in this space of people trying to sort of outdo each other. Uh, this little features arms race, and a lot of these things just aren't relevant. They're noise. Yeah. I'm not saying that the answer there isn't like a, you know, a lot of good um, sort of growth and a lot of good features that can be added. But I think you've got to really decide as a, as a you know as a developer of one of these products what is actually going to move the needle are you actually solving a real problem or are you just creating something so that you can go out you know in the press and say oh we've got this new feature for USPs for its own sake yeah yeah but there's lots of stuff that we're looking at but these are always about real problems so you know a lot of the operators that that, that we have they said things like oh you know they'll have groups of people coming in now um, and it might be a party of six and they'll sit down and they'll place an order but because they're placing it separately um, you know, that might arrive to the kitchen in, in different stages or come through to the KDS at, at different points and then, you know, they'll be brought out at different points and the customers complain and, and little issues like that and that, that cause them a bit of headache because mm. if it's, you know, even if that happens once or twice in the evening, you know, that's time that, that staff have to go and deal with something so then suddenly there's this negative connotation uh, off, off this app and it's done, you know, it's done something differently because, and, uh, you know, a member of staff uh, a member of front of house staff would be able to they, they'd know they could say to the kitchen oh, they're, all, they're all on table six mm. and out together so little things like that so we'll, we'll you know we're building features whereby you can collate those sorts of all those orders get collated uh, automatically and get you know injected into the into the pods as, as a single order so everyone on that table even if they're ordering separately they'll get it together and that's the only well, it will share it. So if we're all on the same table and we order, it will just go right, and it will just divide out the bill, and they'll pay on their own account. Yeah, everyone can pay for their own thing, and that's not a particularly sexy feature. But it's. it's I think all- it is. I think it's. I think it's like my friend was telling me about his friends use an app in America, and they all go on holiday together, and they all load their bills up, their invoices, and the app works out who owes what, <coughs> what person. <laughs> So the top is only just to go on up and they go, okay, I owe Frank 50, I owe John 10, he owes me 30, and it all just collates it up and just tells them what they're going to pay. Yeah. I like that. I think that's brilliant. I think uh, the younger generation, so people that have grown up with sort of open banking, uh, you know, those sorts of apps where you can really easily just sort of, you know, split bills and things like that, this is just the standard. Mm-hmm. They expect that sort of functionality. But again, our focus is always, it's a double bottom line because we, we obviously want the customers to have a great experience, but our client is the operator. You know, that, that, that's what comes yeah, yeah. first. Yeah. And it has to be about, well, what, what are the real problems? You know, what, what can we do to, to, you know, make their operations more efficient, uh, save them money, uh, help them make more money, 
um, you know, whatever it might be. But it's, it's just about listening. You have, to, you have to speak to people, and not just a lip service, but you have to listen to what they're saying, and then constantly go back and say, did it do that job, or was it not quite right? Or maybe we both misjudged the problem, and it's actually something else. It has to be that sort of two-way conversation. So our, our product that we have at the moment, that's been co-designed by all of the operators that we work with. So who, who, would, who would be your, like, who's an operator that you work with and you go, this is gold standard for us to be working with. These people get what we're doing, that we understand them, they understand us, and the whole platform works really well. Who would you, yeah. who would you give a shout out to? Is that absolutely golden, of course. There are certain operators, and just by, by virtue of the kind of businesses that they run, so BoxBark, for example, um, is, is one of ours, and... and they're just absolutely amazing because the level of feedback that you can get is just, you know, it's granular and they're so on the case with it and they get it completely. Mm. And, and again, with BoxPark, the percent of, our, uh, of their orders run, run for us because mm. it's 100%. Oh, really? So all the units and, within the BoxPark? Yeah. Oh, Good stuff. Well, I'm, but we, it's it, then you know, it, it can really work for you. But we've, and again, the difference between us and a lot of other people in the space is for us, we, we never set out to build something that's going to be like, oh, this nice additional sales channel uh, and it's really a bit of noise or something that's a bit of a gimmick or it's because of you know the pandemic, whatever it might be. This is a primary sales channel and this is the way the world's going. And the vast majority of people. Uh, out there now, they've been they, you know they've been trained on the likes of you know Greets delivery over here you know, mm-hmm. in the US. This is how those customers want yes. and expect to to interact. I'm just conscious of the time, guys. I, I suppose one question I, I'm, I'm quite interested in. Do, do these systems, can you increase spend? Have you seen increased spend? Is that any kind of trend that you've, you've seen through introducing these kind of things? Well, so the, the average increase is around 30%. And the reason for that is when you're, when you, if you, it depends what kind of business you're running, but if it's, a, if it's more of a restaurant type setup that you have, things like modifiers, it, it's a very different, uh, a very different sort of thing for a customer to, to, you know, add a side of something or add bacon to their cheeseburger. That's much easier. So you can, you suddenly push up that, that average transaction value really, really easily. And if you're a uh, if you're wet led, then it, it just comes down to throughput. Because if you've got your serving staff and the, you know if they're focusing on tipping pints, but at the same time they just stop doing that and sort of context switch and go and take an uh, take an order or process the payment, it just reduces down that throughput. So on, on that side of things, you can effectively get the equivalent of about. If you look at a sort of an average shift, you can add about two hours of productivity onto that because that that member of staff isn't having to stop to go and do these things that aren't really adding value to the process. You know, customers, generally speaking, um, aren't getting anything extra out of that person sort of bringing them a bill. Brilliant. Okay, well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for, perhaps, but thank you very much for that. There's some really good stuff in there. Yeah, great, thanks. Absolute pleasure. Take care. All the best. Cheers. It, it's interesting, isn't it? I suppose the for me, um, I get that, and I get that productivity and efficiency and the rest of it. But there's a little bit of roboticness as well, though, isn't there? Because whilst you might say that's not productive, having someone on the bar, you know, dealing with the transaction and the rest of it, it's customer interaction. 
And we like that, don't we? Well, we like being able to interact You don't, because you hate all I your customers. We're yeah, but I think we're old, and I think we look at life a bit differently. Kids today don't want to talk to people like that. They wouldn't want to drink on an app. They want to deliver to the table. They don't want to think about it. They want to go out. You know what I mean? It's like, I actually, you know what I mean? I've always, I always hated the idea, but I'm sort of turning around to the fact that, I don't know, it'd work at the Red Lion, but it'd probably work at the Wenlock. It'd probably work at the Anchor. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it is, I said opportunities for it. I think we're probably, you know, it'll be interesting to see how we come out of lockdown and the world changes if it still sticks. You know? I think, I mean, for me, there's, there's one good thing, you know, if you're, you know, that's that old perennial problem that actually Mel Marriott said this earlier. It's that you're, you've got a spot in the pub, you know, it's a busy pub and you just, you've got it. The moment you get up to go to the bar, you run the risk of losing it. So having an app to be able to get people to come to you, I mean, particularly if you're a solitary drinker like Heath, it's hiding from yeah. his wife. He doesn't want to lose his space on the store, well, does he? Like, I think it depends on the venue. I think you can, you tip people in in pubs that are very service driven because they've enhanced your experience. But there are many pubs yeah. that you go to, and you're going there to have six pints or whatever you're going to have, frankly. And you actually don't want into your action because you're everything, mate. You want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Um, you know, your wife. You know, talking about the breakdown of your marriage or whatever you're talking about when you're going down there. And <laughs> frankly, you know. To me, Do you need to I, I, I think that level of service is lovely because actually you're not in there for you, what you want is efficiency and to be left alone. And frankly, short of fitting a catheter to you <laughs> and to avoid you having to go to the to the, to the loo every five it's minutes, the next stage. that's the next stage. I mean, I'm thinking that's where I'm going with it. That's, but um, uh, but genuinely, I think the the low touch is um, is something to be in the right place is to be right. I don't want to get to know the person. You know, in, in some of these pubs, particularly the big city pubs as yeah, well, you're not going to strike up a relationship. Well, welcome back. They don't care who you are. I know you are. Awesome. Airports. Of course, of course. Brilliant. Yeah. You know? yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Brilliant. Okay, well, let's park that one there. This is a lock-in podcast with myself, Ed Beddington, James Golfer Cuthbertson, and Heath Wino Ball. Um, so we're talking about how the crisis has shaped the sector, how things will be moving forward. We've got a couple of great guests with us today: Stosey from the Parker's Arms and Clement from the Prince of Packham. Guys, welcome to the podcast. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Thanks so, for having us. No problem. Let's, it's good to have you on board. So let's let's start off. Um, I mean, Stozy, you've um, you've been doing some uh, amazing things during the lockdown. Uh, you've been doing some fantastic boxes. Uh, I believe you've had a real bumper Easter as well. Do you want to talk us through just what what you've been doing? Yeah. Uh, well, we uh, we've been doing boxes where we predominantly sell pies. We one of our signature dishes our pies because it's northern uh, so what we've been doing is doing a three course meal in a box which we send out and we follow up the seasons which is pretty much what we normally do anyway but we were very lucky because we got three great national sort of uh, review mentions back to back and that sort of helped propel sales really fast um, that did happen obviously uh, way back uh, in February we only started doing these in December because like I was saying to Heath earlier, we're very, very remote, very rural, no, hardly local customers. There's only about 20, 25 houses around where we are. So people have to normally travel to get to us. So we had to find a way to boost revenue. And that's when we launched into, um, uh, first of all, we did a little bit of local delivery. And it just went boom. Everybody just wanted it. So we thought, let's try the national delivery. And we could not believe it. People wanted to order pies. They wanted to order all the stuff, you know. And, and we thought, 
Well, oh, sorry. So, so this is this is this has been national then. You've been you've been uh, sending oh, stuff. Yeah, yeah. It's what I was saying to you. I mean, we 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 did we could not actually um, have done it locally because there's just not enough footfall around us, um, and uh, and it's just it was just it was just not because our our customers really come from <clears throat> everywhere around us, but nowhere near us. If you see mm-hmm. what I mean. Our immediate locals come for the pub. They use the pub, drinking on some piecing, whatever. But really, it's a destination pub, so we had to reach out. And it was amazing because we we, we were able to reach people who always wanted to come to the pub that were live as far as, you know, Edinburgh, Guernsey, Ireland, wow. you know, uh, and... Um, all, all the all the southwest. I could I could not believe that the people we were reaching. It, it's been phenomenally good. Yeah. Fantastic, and, and Clem, you're you're. Uh, I say you're a newer entrant to the trade. You've been you've been in it for a while, um, and you've but you've done some amazing things to uh, to turn around uh, the site that you took on and really made it uh, a destination visit. So, I mean, what what have you been doing during the lockdown? How how have you handled it? Yeah, lockdown's been a lockdown's been a strange one, you know. Obviously, I think mean, it goes without saying, but um, you know, you get we get told about the regulations, and then we we do things to minimise the impact of these regulations. So during the first lockdown, I made the pub bigger. I introduced a, another floor, a basement bar. I made the outdoor area bigger um, by commandeering more of the pavement land. Um, Italy, um, <laughs> and I also um, <laughs> and I also created another private room. So I, I did all this um, a quite heavy investment to minimise that impact, and it, it was good. It was great, and it was working. But then, obviously, as we all know, we were back in lockdown in November, and then during November, I decided to resurrect a temporary roof over the outdoor area, mm. just to again you know, in those colder months and just to, to, to maximise the outdoor area. And as we all know, we were open for maybe 14, 16 days in December, we were closed then. Um, and la- fingers crossed, last for the dice, I've decided to make our bar smaller during this lockdown to increase capacity. And I hope we're not going to be closed in another three months. But um, So we've really tried to, we've really tried to minimise the impact of every single lockdown. Also, during it, there's been a, a strong uh, focus on social media and activity engagement. Mm. Um, you know, like during Valentine's Day, we did a love lockdown, um, which just really showed how, how lonely and isolated people were. Over 100 applicants asking for us to set, set, them, up, set them up for the dates. It was, it, was, it was such a success. I'm really proud of what we got to do for Valentine's Day. We've done constant competitions. Also, Deliveroo, um, home delivery service. So we have a kitchen. Um, which, to be fair, has really has really proved phenomenal. I mean, we're doing stronger numbers delivery, but as we know, you know the percentages they take are quite high. But we've still the most important thing for us was to remain relevant. Was for people to see that we're still there, we're still a hub. You know, as yes, we wanted to create a degree of revenue, but in reality, we knew it weren't it weren't really touching the size. We were just kind of make sure we were preparing ourselves when the doors did open. We were very much there, very much in the consciousness of all our customers throughout what has been a very trying time. So you were prepared to take a bit of a hit to just to maintain that presence? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that was, yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, I mean, I would have loved to, I would have loved to have made 
a profit. I don't think there's any one landlord I know that have turned over any form of profit in the lockdown. I think that's just something we've all had to accept. Um, and we just had to look for the future, just wait for that time when all these restrictions are gone and, and our customer base and beyond are, are ready to pounce um, and yeah, put, 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 start buying beers again. Absolutely. I mean, do, you, do you think you'll will you carry on the will you carry on the Deliveroo after lockdown, or were you just knocked in on the head? Yeah. No, no, no. Do you know what? It's actually it's actually something we did. We introduced after the first lockdown when we were concerned about the impact it will have on in-house food service. Um, again, we, we also made the kitchen bigger, so we added an, a, an outdoor prep space for the, to, to minimise that impact. And it's it, the, the, the impact hasn't hasn't. There's been no effect on, on our um, internal trade. So yeah, we will we will carry on. Um, the, the, right now, the numbers make sense. Um, until it doesn't, or until there's an impact in the experience we give our customers within the building, then yeah, we'll continue to use the crew. And what, what about you, Stacey? Is, is that something? I mean, you've you've built up this amazing sort of nationwide sort of trade. Are you going to keep that going? Can you keep that going? Well, we've actually made profit from our boxes because. Oh, that was wicked! That's awesome. Well we, done. Mm. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're pleased. I mean, it's not huge, obviously, but we have turned a profit. We, when we decided to start with this, we thought, look, you know, we work hands-on uh, pretty much. We're a, we're a very small team, and it had to be something that would be fruitful. Otherwise, we weren't going to go forward with it. Mm. So that's why we, we did it on a small scale first, and we did not actually um, change the price as much to what we would normally do if people came and had a at the pub so we took a hit obviously on the drinks and the only dent that was going through um, with the cost was obviously all the packing costs and the, and the delivery so I mean packing this stuff is, is, is mental we, we can scarf a, a, a 200 you know lunch for example for, for a fraction of the time that we spend to pack these boxes <laughs> So, you know, thankfully we had nothing else to do so we started for a few hours if you had to run this sort of operation at the scale that we were doing as well as pack boxes man I don't know how people do that stuff because it's just horrible apart from being mind-numbingly boring it's just so laborious but we did make um, a very small profit so that has spurred us on to thinking you know what there's something good in there so we, we are going to carry on doing it and we've also got a new uh, venue because we thought we're going to have to split it because Parkers won't be able to cope with all of that. So we've got another e-world that we've not been able to do much with because we were so busy at Parkers all the time. So we, we've been refurbing that during the lockdowns and we're going to hopefully relaunch it. We're just waiting for uh, consent to change some windows because it's a conservation area and mm-hmm. it's a council around here. And that is going to be turned into Parker's uh, uh, um, Pantry, which is what we've been, the sort of name we've been using to start the stuff. So that's going to be in Pedro in a town, which means it can serve as footfall as well as do the national deliveries. Okay. But we won't be doing the deliveries like we've been doing now, which is doing a three-course meal, because packing, as, as I was chatting to um, somebody who's in the industry, who's saying, who wants to buy a packet of cooked broccoli I said do you know what you'd be surprised because they like ask for it but yeah I mean polar boys so we thought we'd just concentrate on the bigger things that make money but take less time to prepare and not do all the peripherals that go 
put the boxes so none of the add-ons or the mash and the stuff like that would have to buy that independently. That would just not be cost-effective. Yeah, we are going to carry on and we're going to launch it on proper and keep that webshop going because this is not over. I, I just, I'm so disillusioned with the way this whole thing has gone on and I just think we have to be ready uh, to buffer ourselves because, it, you know, the government's help has not been superb mm-hmm. and we, we you have bills to pay and we have to move on with our lives and we have to find a way and I it's been killing me walking past supermarkets and watching the money they've been making mm-hmm. it's been like choking me because they've took our trade the yeah. food the drink everything they've, they've took the booze yeah. you know the booze the booze they're really mm-hmm. you know we sit here not making any money and they have ripped it in in the last you know year and I'm thinking, there's no way I'm not having a piece of that. So for that, we can <laughs> I know what's going to happen, though. They're going to turn around and come to you and say, we want your pies in our supermarket. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know what? Everything's got the, pri- the right price. <laughs> I like the fact that you haven't denied that. Seriously, though, you can see them in the supermarkets. Everybody with delis. Heaving, and I'm thinking, shit, we're putting open our doors and selling anything, and these guys are like ripping it in. <laughs> Not happening again. We have to get ready because they will. I mean, far gone into its uh, lockdown already, you know? I mean, mm. I think we might be a bit luckier than that, but I just don't want to risk that. I don't want to chance any more of this. I mean, soon, you know, we'll have gas masks with each other in kitchens and stuff. <laughs> don't know. I mean, look, look at Chile. Did you, see, did, you, did you see Chile? 80% of the country's been vaccinated and they're in a full lockdown again. They've had a massive spike. Don't, don't depress us. Don't and depress us, It's going to be it's bad up. for the world, you know, everything that's happened I mean, to Southern Clem, America's because it's not regulated. Clem, are you, yeah. uh, are you going to be launching a Prince of Packham range into Sainsbury's? <laughs> no, I think I'll give that, I'll give that a miss. Um, <laughs> no, but, you know... I, you know I, what? Yeah, I'm Stacey is right in in regards to, um, you know, we just don't know what the moral holds, you know, and it it is quite worrying times. And Mm. and the more more I think about it, and yes, there is going to be this avalanche come April the 12th, and there is going to be another avalanche come 17th of May, 22nd of June. Not sure that date is still going to happen, in my my opinion. It might be moved back July, August, who knows. Um, But I am... I'm semi-confident we won't go back into a full lockdown. Yeah. Um, I'm semi-confident we won't go back to a full lockdown. Whether restrictions, yes, but a full lockdown, I don't think that will ever happen again, purely because economically the country's on its knees. Um, you know, and as, as, as a pub business, we've just got to... Um, I mean, all we can do is... I know it sounds really airy-fairy, but all we can do is, is be positive. All we can do is sell pies. All we can do is introduce home delivery services. Mm-hmm. All we can do is just try and try and do something. And you know, it's a fraction. It's a fraction of the trade we would normally do um, if the doors were open. And it's you know, when I hear us talking about the supermarket, because absolutely, like it is disheartening. But mm-hmm. 
it's the reality we face and I think we've just got to we've just got to really be positive, really be confident, really trying to be innovative, really trying to be dynamic, really try and take it back to the essence of hospitality where it is deep rooted in community and it is about reconnecting these people that have been isolated and ostracized for the last twelve months in a world full of so many conundrums and and you know, headlines and all sorts. I just think we've we've got to be ready and, and there and you know the more I think about that, I don't want to think about that. Let's just open our doors. Let's sell beers. Let's have a good time. Positive. Think forward. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, Clem, you've been very much prior to this. I know we've had and you were keen to sort of expand and grow and all the rest of it. I mean, is that still on the cast, do you think? Is it something on your agenda? Do you think there's opportunities for you to do what you've done in Packham and take that sort of brand to other places? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, one one of the biggest disappointments about um, the lockdown is on the twelfth of March, twenty twenty. I, I actually just acquired a premises license on a on a new pub in South East London. Um, it was a, 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 an abandoned pub. It hadn't operated for four years, so I had to get a brand new license and architect drive, which cost me the best part of fifteen grand, just to know that a they lived in full lockdown so that was a real kick in the bollocks and it was um, oh, sorry if I don't know if I'm not sure you've not met Heath have you <laughs> 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 but yeah that was that was that was really disheartening and I, I, I sort of have like little little flashes of nightmares every time I think about that situation but 100% I I do think there is going to be opportunity I do think you know, growth is very much at the forefront of my of my narrative right now, irrespective of what's going on. Um, not because I, I crave it, but because I think my, my, I feel my team deserve it. I feel we've done a, a real stellar mm. job over the last three and a half, four years. Um, and I'm, I'm just not going to allow coronavirus or any sort of lockdown to, to, to derail me. We're, we're quite, we're, you know, we're in a good position financially. You know, we're not, we're not, we're not worried. We're not like we could survive. A, a few for a, a while yet before we start worrying so there's, 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 a, there's a pot there ready to invest in the future and see if we can capitalise on, on any, uh, any opportunities that arise fantastic ok guys Dozy's frozen there. Unfortunately, guys, we we are out of time. That's all we've got time for. But thank you very much yeah, for, uh, nice for getting involved and, and joining us for the chat. Thank you very much. Good chat. Thank you. Cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Thank you for having me. Good luck with the prize, Dozy. Cheers, guys. Well, there you go, guys. Uh, I mean, some interesting things there. Mate, I was just I was worried, though, for you, James. When he said he had 100 applications for their date on Valentine's Day, I was just thinking, how many times did you apply for that, James? I went out, with, my, I went, I went out with myself 50 times. <laughs> Mate, oh. I was sweating for you. He's, I think you go out with yourself a lot, too, don't you? Hides from his wife a fair amount. <laughs> I, I like my own company, James. I like my own company. But you know, like what Stossy's done, um, Stossy's done with the Parker's Arms and, and the pies is amazing, though. You mm. think about it. Like, yeah. You know, to make a profit. Yeah, and, and, to, and to do it on a national scale from a from a site yeah. in, in rural site in uh, I think she's Lancashire, isn't she? It's brilliant. I mean, yeah. you say make a profit. I think if you probably fully costed it with the time you put in, none of us have made a profit. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't mean to be, but they've done a brilliant well, you know, job. Clement's done similar to you, really, isn't it? it it's keeping you keeping the doors open, keeping the lights yeah. on, keeping connected to your yeah. consumers. Keeping the, is, keeping the walk away. Yeah. yeah. I hope the one thing that, that held the two of them, to, you know, energy. 
both had real energy for it. Yeah. And, you know, I think it's one of the things coming back out of this, Heath and I talked about it this week, is having, you know, even if you've got to pretend, is have that energy come Monday week <laughs> that you actually, you actually want to do this. Yeah. And, and they're on, I think... Again, Heath made the point that you know, it might be a couple of months down the line and people just tanks quite low. Yeah. But they've got great, you can see in great personalities and great energy to succeed. Wow. So, ones to watch and look forward to what they're up to. Fantastic. Okay, let's park this one here. You're listening to the Lock In podcast, and we are pretty much out of time for this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast using the links on the homepage. Share across all the social media channels. We need as many listeners as we can get. We're now up to four, possibly five. I think James's mum might have just subscribed, uh, which is always good. But don't forget, you can also drop us a line, ask any questions, suggest any topics you want us to discuss. Uh, we will consider everything. Um, we've, we've had some interesting discussions around... Apps. We've had some uh, discussions around uh, Heath's drop-off in takeaway orders and what that means for his business in the long term. Um, we've also trainers uh, with uh, we haven't, but the, the, um... but the well, that's not, yeah. But I think the biggest elephant in the room that we haven't discussed oh, no, is uh, is from last week's podcast in which we were given the opportunity to uh, to really get to grips with, uh, with the government I know this is uh, to speak to uh, a oh! government a government minister and uh, really sort of put some hard questions to mm-hmm. him and ask him what what was going on and why they were doing it and uh, he showed up um, for that um, but James decided it was far more important to go and play golf listen I've barely been to that golf course in a year and this is the 20th show, as you kindly pointed out. And it's been sitting with you two has been brutal. And I couldn't <laughs> do one more. I need to get out. I need to get some fresh air. Be around friends. I know. I know. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and I wasn't going to miss that for the world. I was, um, James, there's a really interesting book by Malcolm Gladwell. And he talks about golf courses. <laughs> and he goes he into how much golf courses are basically just ripping the world off they, they don't pay proper taxes it's just it's, it's white CEOs of companies playing golf there's a linkage between people CEOs of company who play the most golf and how much their company fails so I need you to stop playing golf because this is not the time to be wasting money walking around hitting balls it's time to be making money you're wasting That's money his wife's and job, time isn't it? Yeah. and it's not making you any slimmer anyway listen now, you guys have got it all wrong. I was caddying to get extra cash in rather than doing takeaway that day. So, there you go. There you go. I, 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 Thanks, can't, I can't see you carrying anything. A few uh, extra pounds. <laughs> I mean, you two fuckers uh, on this show. <laughs> Damn it. You beat me to the punchline. I was going to say, if anything, Heath and I are carrying you. But, uh, no, but you yeah. didn't. You but no, like... I mean, thank you for your commitment and, uh, and, right. and support to the podcast. Get me someone I've heard uh, of on and I'll be fine. Oh.